adjust my mic. All right. So, so I haven't had a chance to look at this at all. I hate to say it. Sorry. It's okay. That. It's mostly Jaime. Okay. It's all right. We'll, just, we'll just wing it like we always do. <laughs> yeah. Why should this be any different? All right. Um... So hey everybody, welcome to episode 291 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And we have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Or actually Everett, Washington, right? Yeah, it's in the suburbs. Hmm. The suburb? Oh, so it's like the burbs of uh, Seattle? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I think this might have come up on the show once before, but it's like that SNL skit where it's like, I'm from Dublin. Was, oh, I'm not <laughs> actually from Dublin. I'm from some other place, but nobody would know where that is. So I just say I'm from Dublin. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I think that is an SNL thing. Yeah, it was a Mike Myers skit. Oh, I'm from Dublin. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Right. Right. But doesn't everybody do that? Doesn't everybody say when they're from a the metropolitan area of some city and you're outside of the immediate area of that city, don't you always say you're just from that city. That's what I do. Yeah, technically, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, technically, I'm before we, we became a mega or amalgamation of the what they call a mega city or whatever. Um, I'm technically in East York right now, right? Mm. And uh, it used to have its own city hall just north of me, but um, but now it's all they, they got rid of all the city halls and just went down to the one metro hall downtown, right? So, yeah. so and when well, I grew up in Etobicoke, and yeah, it's the same sort of thing, right? When I say I'm from Boston, I actually only lived in Boston for about a year when I was a baby. And when I was in college, other than that, I lived in the suburbs of Boston. But if if I said the name, nobody would ever know what it was. So yeah, kind of no point in saying it. And what is it? What is the name? Framingham. Okay, that sounds about right. Yeah, you don't know what it is. I think I've seen some like small town pride, and people say, "Oh, I'm from blah blah blah." I'm like I am also from Texas. I have no idea where that is. Is it near Dallas? Is it near Austin, Houston? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, oh, okay. Texas now is I know. huge. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like you're El Paso, right? Yeah, which is one of the the bigger cities, um, and there's like not terribly many cities around it to be confused about. And it's also pretty much geographically as far away from what people think of as Texas as you could possibly be and still be yeah, in yeah. Texas, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It yeah. is closer to Phoenix, Arizona, and I believe closer to Los Angeles, California, than it is and to Tucson, Houston. Right? Isn't it very or, close to Tucson? Uh, Tucson and Phoenix. Yeah, it is, it's way yeah. it's way closer to Tucson than it is to Houston. Yeah, But and Houston then, and Dallas are on the other side of the state, like right? That's right. And there, are they close together or are they separated too by distance no they've got they've got quite a bit distance but it's you know it's drivable there's like a, a whole effort there to have a wide freeway and like triangle going on with austin dallas and houston a lot of i guess right now traffic would be really good right just given the pandemic there's probably not as many people out there but yeah that is uh, a lot of uh, merchandise and, and commerce going on yeah i wonder how much i haven't really looked at traffic to see how how little there i mean i took a picture of i went to uh, the office a week week ago, Friday, um, we've since been told we can't go into the city, right? But, um, uh, and I took a picture up Bay Street, which is, goes towards Toronto City Hall, and um, normally, and it was like 11 o'clock in the morning, and so normally it would be packed. There would be like, you know, hundreds of people in the street, and cars, and street cars, and people blocking the intersection, and there was like one guy and a couple of cars, you know? That's that's quite a, quite a difference. It's almost like a really sleepy Sunday morning kind of look, you know, if you, if you saw the picture. Anyway, that's the sort of new normal. I guess, right? 
So uh, from last week, we had some fact check. Uh, for those of people in Montreal who are, you know, had conniptions over my mentioning the Montreal Alouettes last week, uh, the Alouettes were a, or still are a CFL team. Um, they were formed in 1946. Of course, that's a Canadian football league for those of you driving at home. Uh, it's a 115-yard field, and we have three downs instead of four. Um, so it's some people say it's harder to play. Anyway, um, not very many teams on the, in the league, though, but uh, Montreal Alouettes was, was was it sort of always around? They sort of folded up in uh, 1981 and or and or changed their name to the Concords, and they did that for five years, and then they folded up again in 1987, which is where where they became the brunt of the joke in Canada here for those of us for about uh, ten years or so, and then they rebirth. They had a rebirth in 1996-97 season, and they continue to play to this day. And I think they last won the Grey Cup, which is our Super Bowl in, the, in 2000, I think. So anyway, Montreal Alouettes. Do you have any Ask MTJC, homie? I didn't see any. All right, no. Well, I think I, not officially not Ask MTJC, but I saw a picture yesterday of a new Acer computer that's come out. I don't know if you guys saw the pictures I posted on Twitter, but remember I was saying, I was talking about the, the we were talking about the OLED display on the tr- on the touch bar, and I sort of said I could see it, like where they would expand that to make like an in, like maybe an entire keyboard or something like that. Um, so Acer's come out with uh, a couple of computer configurations. One that's almost the size of the track or uh, the trackpad that we have on our computer but it's a complete display so it's all it's got you know icons and things like that on it so i'm sure it's their like sort of like an oled track bar i don't know if it's oled but and they've also come out with another model where the key, they push the keyboard down like uh, down like three or four inches towards the user and above them is you know like a four or five inch wide and the length and the width of the computer like extension of the monitor like a, like as i envisioned the touch bar could grow to you know massive proportions so i just thought it was funny that uh, i don't know Ace or maybe must be a fan of the show and listens to us and takes ideas from us, right? But uh, it just it just looked completely wrong. But anyway, there you go. Um, yeah, in the follow-up here, we've got a quick thing here. Uh, Tim Cook put out a message today on his Twitter account. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard or not, but uh, large companies like Facebook and Google and Apple who have disaster plans have put aside for the for for reasons um, safety equipment, which include and like masks and stuff like that. And so apparently, uh, Tim Cook has put out a, a notice today working from home that uh, Apple is uh, sending uh, 10 million masks to be used in the healthcare industry in the United States uh, for people to, for them to use because uh, I mean there's a shortage of masks we were just talking to a friend with a friend of mine last week about you know cranking up our 3d printers to help build visors and stuff like that for uh, for the healthcare industry because apparently that's that's one of the biggest problems and one of the right reasons why we're trying to flatten the curve is because of the lack of medical supplies and you have some uh, covid related uh, news Jaime. Yeah, this is uh, this is a follow up here of we had said that oh Google I/O has gone online remote only and the follow up is that it is completely canceled for 2020. Um, so no, they were doing an online thing, weren't they? Yeah, and I guess the idea prior to things getting worse in you know various states, including California, doing shelter in place lockdown was I guess they thought well we won't have a ton of people coming here, but we'll still have people you know on stage and doing the production and everything, and we'll just stream it out to the world is what I'm. I'm speculating here. And now that people can't even congregate in any sort of meaningful way, it seems like Google said, yeah, this is this is a little bit too far. We can't go any further than this. So Yeah, it's it, interesting, like you were saying last week uh, about like the, the host and stuff like that. I, I know that um, uh, Jimmy Fallon is doing his monologue from his living room with his two daughters crawling all over him. And, and uh, I've seen other ones where um, I think the Talking Dead show last week was done like with Zoom or like a Google Hangout where they had talking heads, basically, um, talking about 
the, the show and, uh, you know, news reporters and stuff like that are clearly working from home, you know, with green screens and or their libraries and stuff like that. So it's kind of, I mean, you know, if you're doing a one-off sort of broadcast, you know, a person with an iPhone or, or uh, you know, um, I even saw a couple of musicians this week who were playing music out of their homes or to entertain people, basically, right? Um, you know, and it was like, I think, who's uh, married to Nicole Kidman? Um, what's his name? The country music guy. Urban? Carl Urban? Keith Urban. Oh, he, Carl Urban Keith is Urban. the guy who plays oh, yeah, the doctor. <laughs> I was so close. Bones. Yes, but yeah, it's but funny he's too, is he, though? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he's, um, he was uh, basically playing uh, playing some stuff and, and, you know, Nicole Kidman was dancing around and from their home studio, that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like, if you have the gear to do it, I mean, by the way, I don't know if people have figured this out or not, but this would be a great time to start a podcast, right? Because how else are you going to do this, right? Um, you know, like the three of us are sitting in our respective homes, you know, for, and we have been for the last uh, uh, six years, right? So anyway, um, I don't know if you saw Mark, but I posted a picture on Twitter of the three of us from 360 iDev from, I think, the first time we actually met. Um, and we're sitting not in side by each. We're sitting behind each other for some reason. So I posted it up saying we've been social distancing since 2014. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think I remember <laughs> what happened there. We were, it, it was probably a after lunch session and we were chatting long enough that we got, you know, pretty late prior to sitting at a session. And that was, those were probably the only chairs we had available. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. We'll, we'll stick with that story. I, I, I vaguely remember taking the picture, but yeah, I thought it was funny. The three of us are sitting in, in line like that. That's why I took the picture. But unfortunately I took it with my, my um, old uh, Otter box case that had, uh, it had a bad problem because it would get dust on the lens from being in my pocket. And so it's a really out of focus kind of picture, unfortunately. Oh, well, anyway, that's what we looked like in 2014. If those of you driving at home want to have a look on my Twitter account. Um, all right. So Jaime, you got another piece for us. Yeah. There's a little bit of follow-up on, uh, you can see the iPad Pro, the new one in augmented reality in all its glory. I went with the daring fireball John Gruber link because that's where I saw it just to give it credit, but it is on Apple's website. You do have to use something that's compatible with ARKit, like an iPhone or an iPad. So this won't work on your Mac, but if you want to see what that would look like on your desk, it's pretty nifty. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Similar idea to the Mac Pro and a couple other devices that they've made available. That works on just about any iPad, right? It doesn't have to be specifically one that supports AR, right? I think it has to support AR kit. It doesn't have to necessarily support the newest updates. Oh, to AR so it has to be like iOS 12 or 13, right? Or 11, maybe, I think. Yeah, right. whenever, I guess 11. Is that when AR kit first came out? We're yeah, it's got to be because we're third iteration, right? Third iteration, yeah. We're, we're, I think mm. we're, we're spoiling our own show. Uh, yeah, anyway, cool. So my next piece here is another, I guess, sort of wrapping up on, on the the theme of the the, the month. Um, Bill Gates in 2015 did a TED Talk uh, about the next outbreak. And uh, basically he was saying that in 2015 that the, he thought the next big issue for um, the world, and it's part of what he and Melinda have been doing for the last you know, few years with their millions and millions of dollars, is giving back to society. But uh, he has a really interesting talk on how he, at the time, predicted that the next outbreak would be, next major outbreak would be a or virus related and that it would basically at that at that time and we weren't ready for it and uh he kind of outlays some uh some plans i mean of course it's not bill gates thinking himself i'm sure he probably had you know consulting with a lot of people but how about how the the military could prepare for it and all that kind of stuff and it's a really interesting uh talk i think it's about i think tech talks are like five minutes um yeah i mean if you got five minutes to spare check it out it's really really interesting to see uh, i i'd seen him i'd seen this talk before but i never really paid attention to it but now you know kind of regretting that I didn't. Um, but there you go. So it's an interesting uh, talk on TED Talk. Basically, the next outbreak, We're Not Ready by Bill Gates. Over to you, Jaime. 
next one is one we were chatting privately about like how did we miss this and i apologize oh, yeah. but it's in it's in the show notes for those of you driving at home uh it's a verge article with links to apple's video showing how the ipad's new trackpad actually works and it's really cool and it's very much done in the style of like a marketing slash wwdc video so if you imagine in my head this is what apple might do for wwdc this year where they have you know craig fitterigi going and you know demoing and explaining how the software works and it's pretty neat the seeing how the cursor works and how the interface adjusts is pretty nice pretty pretty explanatory it doesn't translate very well to an audio only medium like a podcast but that's why we have show notes so we have some real-time follow-up on that and that is that um it's not just for the new trackpad uh that you know with the new uh what do you call it smart keyboard that, what are they calling it magic keyboard right um it actually works with the current if you have a, a magic mouse or any bluetooth mouse or or trackpad like in fact i've got the magic trackpad here as well um and i've i've updated my os to 13.4 and uh so i was able to load up um load up uh, and, and connect my trackpad um initially i'd connected my magic mouse to try it out because because i'm working from home and, and a lot of our tools you know i got my old logic logitech keyboard out um snapped the uh, the ipad into it and then uh you know quickly found that it's really awkward using the keyboard and then having to reach up and touch the screen every time you want to like focus on a, a field or something like that like our text field um because you can't and various uh, apps support the keyboard differently but the keyboard actually on the ipad makes it very similar to a mac in that a lot of keys work like copy and paste and you know you can command tab to switch between applications and that kind of stuff so it's really kind of cool but adding the trackpad to it um and you now get that round cursor that it shows in the video and and also of course when you're editing you get the nice cursor and you get the hover effect and there's a new couple of new um uh, things on hover and on hover event um on hover effect maybe where you can you can add those to your app so that like essentially it's uh, if you've used an apple tv before you know when you hover over an icon and you kind of wiggle the or w- move your, your finger back and forth on the cursor the the um icon kind of shimmers like it kind of jiggles a bit so when you and you'll see it in the video when when uh, better reader uh, craig fader is talking about it you can see that when you hover over an element that's like a button or ta- a tappable the cursor does change and it kind of creates a little box around it and and animates it right so it's pretty cool i mean so it's it's almost like uh the only thing he's missing is xcode X right um from from the whole experience uh some some apps don't behave the same way as you would expect like some apps are, are like right out of the box or are, are great with it other apps like third things like google google uh doc uh there were some issues with it um some of the microsoft stuff doesn't um the, like the, the cursor doesn't kind of work 100 percent, but but it's like 99 percent uh out of the box a great experience so yeah you don't have to wait for the new magic magic thing if you have a trackpad lying around or a magic mouse and you've got an ipad already you can update and try it out right away so and it is it's it's super slick typical apple apple you know wonderful user experience engineering right yeah, I haven't updated myself because I'm waiting for a day or two, especially given that, you know, this is normally good advice, I think. You don't need to update on day one unless you're willing to be on the bleeding edge. But uh, given that the Apple stores are shut down at the moment, I'm even more sort of curious about how um, how and when I'm going to update. Yeah, this is an interesting, I was thinking about that too, you know, because that, that's an interesting point in that, you know, for, we've been spoiled for the last three or four years or, or even longer, I guess. How long has the App Store been around? Ten years, I guess, the Apple Store, right? Um, because, you know, 
as the hardware comes out, you know you could go to the Apple Store on day one and you could actually look at the stuff and, and try it out. They always made sure that they had stuff on, on the floor. So this is the first time we're going to be buying, um, for a while anyway, for the next couple of weeks anyway, uh, an iPad and a, and a Magic Keyboard sight unseen. And the same thing with the new MacBook Air, right? That's a lot of money to, to, to throw down without, you know, just on faith. I mean, I know we did it with the iPhones when they first came out, right? But it, it, think about it. Eh? It's, it's been a while since we've not been able to go and kick the tires, right? Yeah, but do you actually do that? I do. Really? Oh, uh, yeah, I oh yeah. I always go to the Eaton Center and check out the, the latest stuff that comes out for sure. Hmm. Yeah. Don't you, you don't go to the Apple Store, Apple Store and just you know, look at the stuff and try nope, it out? Nope. <laughs> I only go to the mall if I have to. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's not quite the mall in, in where you are. I mean, you can go to the Palo Alto store. I guess it's a bit far for you, right? But uh, yeah, I, I could, I could, there are multiple stores around and, and only a couple of them are actually in the mall, but yeah, yeah. the one at the one near you at, um, what's that place called? Um, where I Valley stay Fair in a row. That's the, uh, it's, there's two malls that are kind of right next to each other. One is Santana row. That's kind of the upscale outdoor mall. And then there's the traditional mall across the street, which is the Valley Fair mall. Right. Yeah. That's where the Apple store is in the Valley Fair. Mall. Yeah. I haven't seen a new Apple store because when I was there, they were still working on it. So yeah. it doesn't look any different. They've, they've done a lot of res- renovations on the mall, but the Apple store itself doesn't really look any different. Yeah. I don't know if we talked about it, but we, we they've redone two, um, stores here. They did the Eaton center store. Uh, I think we talked about that on the show. I did actually go and check it out a couple of days later, but they just opened a new one here. Uh, I think Fairview mall is the name of the mall that, that uh, is one of the, I think one of the first Apple stores in Toronto. They, um, just recently expanded and, and doubled the size of it and all that kind of stuff. So, and they're, they're getting quite, I guess they're, I mean, our stores were always ridiculously crowded and, you know, like not as deep as like the, the new store is the size of the Palo Alto store that, uh, that I, that you took me to where I went to by myself, I guess. Right. That's where you met Tim, the other Tim. Is that all we want to say about the trackpad working, honey? Yeah, it, it's a nice video. You're right that you can at least try out how the new cursor stuff works independent of that. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll find somebody who actually does end up with the hardware and get their opinions uh, on that, get a little mini review. I'm, I'm not looking to buy. Um, I don't have the right um, iPad Pro. I'm not looking to upgrade whatever whatever year of iPad Pro is pretty good. So I'm, I'm sure in a few years on this very show, I'll be telling you all how amazed I am at this keyboard integration, <laughs> just like the the watch integration that I, I was so happy about a couple of weeks ago. Well, I got to say, I've had keyboards on my Mac, or I'm sorry, on my iPads before, and they were okay, right? But this Logitech, this smart keyboard technology with, the, you know, the little three-pin connector on the side of the iPad, um, the Logitech one and the, the um, uh, what do you call it, the smart keyboard, um, saying the wrong name, but that one, um, they're both pretty slick. I've used to, I've tried them out in the stores, and of course, I own this one, the Logitech one, right? But um, the integration's really, really nice. I mean, it does, it does sort of bring the iPad sort of, you know, make it more Mac-like in that sense, right? Or more computer-like, I guess, or, or, or um, Surface-like, you know? Um, you add the pen to that, and you've got like a, it's it's a really awesome computing experience, right? Because you can lay it flat, or you can use it as a keyboard, like propped up, and it is pretty slick. So, I mean, so adding trackpad and, and mouse to the, the whole mix, it just makes it even better, right? So one one thing is odd about it, though, I, I noticed yesterday. So I had I had hooked up my, my Magic Mouse to the, um, to the iPad. I hadn't tried the, oh, by the way, scrolling doesn't work on the Magic Mouse, right? Um, I find that I had to still reach it with my finger and scroll the screens, but or like table views and the stuff like that. But the trackpad works like wonderfully. Two fingers uh, scrolling works really well. But but what I was going to say was last night I had the I had it on my desk and I was you know during the day I was working um, at my job I was using the the, the mouse. And, but when at the end of the day when I went and sat on the couch and I took the just took the iPad by itself, um, you know, I was just sit on to have it sit on my lap. The little 
little cursor stays on the screen, even though the mouse isn't active. And so it's kind of, that's just a minor annoyance that this little round dot, you know, sort of persists on your screen the entire time. So that's just one odd thing I noticed. That and that and the fact the scrolling doesn't work on the, with the mice, mouse, mises. Anyway. All right. What's next? Next one is a little bit of follow up. We had talked about the fact that Safari was going to go sort of all in on blocking third party cookies, you know, tracking mm-hmm. cookies. And uh, they have, they've, they've gone through. So the Safari Intelligent Tracking Prevention, ITP, is... This is uh, part of the new update? or I believe it is, but I haven't updated Catalina either for very similar reasons. Um, so I don't know. I haven't, haven't checked it out. Mm, yeah. Well, something we're looking forward to for a while, right? It's good for privacy in the industry. Um, Apple's Safari is not the heavy hitter on the block that clearly belongs to Chrome, but uh, it's a step in the right direction. Right, right. I noticed a sidebar ad here. I don't know if you get the same sidebar ad on your, your browser there, Jaime, with Mr. Patrick Stewart, or sorry, Sir Patrick Stewart. Oh, I get that, actually. Do you? Should we, should we do a spoiler for a uh, spotcast there, Jaime? Yeah. <laughs> for, to, <laughs> for Mark's benefit, uh, you can get a free month of CBS All Access using whatever that special code is. I don't have it in front of me. I think it's GIFT. Yeah. So, so Mark, um, I don't think you've seen Discovery or Picard, so you just binge that while you're stuck at home. And Yeah, I do have more time at home, although it doesn't seem like I have any more free time for some reason. No, but, yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe I should. Yeah. Then then you can listen to this podcast as well, right? That's true. I think I was binge watching finished or I or I finished it, I guess I should say. I was binge mm-hmm. watching Mr. Robot. I hadn't I had never watched oh, it. So really? I watched all four seasons. Nice. Uh, it's good. It's worth watching. Had you watched the fr- you hadn't seen the first one yet or I have first now. season? Okay. Yeah, I haven't caught up to the current season. I just have that in the queue. It's next though. I think the first season's the best. Like yeah, they could have just so they could have just so ended too. it there. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Fourth season yeah. got a little bit weird at the end. Yeah. 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 You're right. It did. Yeah. Spoilers for those of you yeah. at home. It, it, it did kind of make me kind of go, what? Where are they going with this? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Which way is up? Which way is down? Yep. Exactly. Yep. All right. What's what's going on with the, what's going on with all the email I'm getting, honey? Yeah. You may or may not have noticed on your developer account that if you want to support the 20 new countries starting next month, uh, you will need to sign your life away in the new license agreement by April 10th to get access to 20 new countries that you can sell in, in the Apple App Store. So what I was saying about this, this uh, I got spammed by Apple at least 10 times to the same email account, which I thought was odd um, that uh, that this was coming. And then I went over to my developer account, signed the agreement, but it, it sort of implied that there was an extra step that I wasn't sure. I was supposed to go check on check some checkbox or something about the stores. Have you have you guys had a look at this yet? I don't I think I got this email. I actually haven't done it on my... I got the email, but I haven't didn't done it on my... The email. Uh, my local account, but I can check that now. Mm-hmm. I got eight emails about it to the same, and I, I mean, I know I have four active developer accounts, but but still, this is all that, that it kept getting the same thing over and over again. Oh, okay. Two-factor authentication. Fair enough. It says to have your apps appear in this new country, your membership account, membership hold account holder first needs to accept the program license agreement by signing their life away, like you said. Yeah, and if you have paid applications agreement, account holder would also need to accept this updated agreement in App Store Connect. I didn't see it in App Store Connect when I went over there. Okay, so far it looks pretty standard. It's just uh, showing me the PDF, which I am carefully reading line by line. (laughs) And by the magic of online... I'm finished. I agree. Yeah, I just clicked agree once. Seems to be fine. Yeah. And, it's well, and you're supposed to, did you go over to App Store Connect? 
Oh, yeah, it does. It does ask me to go to our users or listeners are, are enthralled no, by this. I'm we'll, sure. Don't worry. We cut this. <laughs> we'll cut all. We cut all this mumbly stuff out. We yeah, can. We can fill it with me reading the list of the names as best I can, because folks might be. Okay, wondering. why don't you do that? So the twenty are Afghanistan, Gabon, Ivory Coast, Georgia, Maldives, Serbia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Cameroon, Iraq, Kosovo, Libya, Montenegro, Morocco, Mozambique, Myanmar, Nauru, Rwanda. Tonga, Zambia, and Vanuatu. Tim, maybe you can help us with Ivory Coast. I didn't say it in French because I don't speak French. It's Ivory Coast. Côte d'Ivoire? Oh, I don't know how it's pronounced. I think it's Côte off the top of my head. Is it C-O-T-E? C-O-T-E, new word, yeah. D apostrophe, I-E-O-I. You're sort of d'Ivory, d'Ivory probably, d'Ivory. No, wouldn't it be something like Ivoire? Yeah, d'Ivoire, yeah, yeah. So Côte d'Ivoire. But what I'm saying about the D and the I sort of meld into one, right? So d'Ivoire. Like it's actually D E and then space and then Ivory, but the apostrophe makes it shorter. Yeah. Okay, I did have to check a whole bunch of boxes here. Like it's funny about these agreements. I realize you're supposed to read them and you're supposed to print them out and whatever, right? But what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Not agree? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is between yeah, I, you I don't and, need and your money. lawyer. <laughs> yeah, just keep a lawyer on retainer just so time. I can keep up with all these agreements every time I update iOS. All right. Uh, so I guess it's more of the Jaime Lopez show. So welcome. Welcome to the Jaime Olympus show. What else have you got for us, Jaime? As sort of teased earlier, we do have new versions of iOS and iPadOS. The 13.4 has gone out of beta and is now official. It has some new features, the mm-hmm. aforementioned mouse and trackpad support. Uh, it's also got the uh, iCloud Drive folder sharing, the, the Dropbox-like mm. sort yes. of thing that was promised and taken away when I guess it did very terrible things during the betas. Which did? Which? The iCloud Drive uh, folder sharing. I think I remember during the summer that there were people who tried it during the beta and all sorts of bad stuff happened. Like, so what, I can go boss, in here and share assume. a folder with you guys? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, very similar to Dropbox, you know, or uh, oh, Notes really? lets you do this too, right? We've had shared notes as an example. Okay, from this folder here. I don't see any way to share it. Okay, well, I'll take your word for it. And you are up to date because I haven't I haven't updated, so I can't actually try this myself. And this is from the, uh, the Files app that you're trying? Yeah, I'm in the Files app. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, the Dropbox uh, thing would be kind of nice too. You know, Dropbox sharing or whatever, or even just to create a link in a file and then send the link to somebody. Because I think they do that now with if you send a large attachment to somebody, it'll say this attachment is too too big for most email accounts. Do you want to use your iCloud to, to drop it to them? Right. And I think what it does it puts a link into the into the email and, and slurps the file up to uh, iCloud somehow. Is that not how it works? You know what I mean? You have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? I think I was trying to keep track of where the file is at any point in time to make sure I understood. Right, right. Okay. There's an even uh, even more detailed link that has, this is the from Ars Technica that has a whole bunch more details on what was released for iOS and macOS. Uh, other big things are the um, universal purchase support. So singular purchase of apps across iPhone, iPod Touch, iPad, Mac, and Apple TV. We had talked about that before, but now it's actually released. That's an option. Um, oh, the, the hmm. folder sharing is in Catalina, not in the iPad. Oh, really? You can't do it from the iPad? I thought, yeah, thought I saw that in notes you that you could. It said in the, fir- in the first page of this article you just sent, it said, um, uh, bah, 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 bah. it's a smaller update for oh, macOS Catalina. Users who downloaded 10.15.4 will get iCloud Drive folder sharing on the platform as well. You can import Google Chrome passwords into iCloud keychain. New features for the uh, Pro Display XDR. You know, for those of you who have that kind of mad money for that, eh? But you've got the release mm. notes printed out here as well on page two. 
You can also see watchOS 6.2 has the ECG app on Apple Watch Series 4 or later, now available in Chile, New Zealand, and Turkey. Right. Oh, look, there's more Memoji, my favorite thing. I think it says a lot about that when I don't think it was even in the article. Like, it was listed, but I don't think they showed any examples. Oh, the fact that nobody, they didn't talk, call it out? Yeah, that like it, did. didn't. usually an article like this will have the Memoji leading the way, mm-hmm. the, the carrot that gets people to, to update. But uh, apparently not. Maybe maybe Memoji are a, an old-fashioned thing. Next year we emoji you and your friends right combine stickers yeah so, so the uh, the thing we've been waiting for mark the feature we've been waiting for the time synced lyrics in apple music on mac is now available Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> i mean this is like a really good time though because when you think about all these people who can't go to like karaoke bars you can just do it at home oh you can do karaoke at home yeah that's true. Karaoke. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah seems less silly now <laughs> it's well timed <laughs> yeah it's funny when we go to denver there's a karaoke bar we always go to to do karaoke with uh, Gene's, Gene um, McDonald. And uh, I got an email from them saying, oh, by the way, here's our COVID update about the, about being closed and stuff. So mm-hmm. funny. Oh, OAuth for Outlook.com. Well, how about that? In-app purchases for Apple Watches. Oh, this is new. We've never had in-app purchases on Apple Watch before? Yeah, it was definitely some, something we definitely talked about uh, yeah. from WWDC, but now it is finally launched. I've got to admit, I don't do a lot of purchasing of anything on my watch itself. No. I use my yeah. watch to purchase stuff but I know buy a whole lot. So I had no clue that this hadn't actually launched yet. Well, yeah, we have to go out of our way and find some some app that's like Apple Watch only and then uh, see it. But uh, by the way, the EKG app is, is now, or series Apple Watch Series 4 is now available in Chile, uh, New Zealand, and Turkey, as well as the irregular heart rhythm notifications are now available in those three countries as well. That's a big improvement, I guess. Um, That'll be fun when you're writes. editing this episode. Why? Because <laughs> you added a little bit off of what I'd said, but I'd already covered Watch OS six Oh, did you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, thanks for helping me uh, get fa- get a faster edit out of that. Yeah, yeah, I did hear you say Chile and New Zealand. You mentioned it. That's true. I'm just scanning through the notes, seeing if anything stands out. Nothing, hey, and, nothing. and another new thing is that the Watch ECG is now available in Chile, New Zealand, and New Zealand and, uh, and somewhere else. And Turkey, really? And Turkey, yeah. Wow. <laughs> the time for the politically incorrect joke now. Sure. So England got hungry and went to eat turkey but slipped on the grease and broke all the china. No. <laughs> <laughs> Had you never heard that before? I've heard something like that. I don't know if it was exactly that one, but very similar. Yeah. Yeah. I think I might have started the beginning wrong. England got hungry, went to eat turkey, but slipped on the grease and broke all the china. All right. Uh, yeah. So tell us what's happening in the world of ARKit, Jaime. Yeah, 3.5 of ARKit is available. That's going to make use of the new LiDAR scanner and depth sensing system on your brand spanking new iPad Pro. So as this uh, wonderful developer slash marketing page talks about how scene geometry is going to give you topological maps, you're going to get you know instant AR. So instead of sort of waving your phone around and hoping that it figures out where everything oh, is, right. it, it'll nice, just yeah. know that from the sensor. Uh, and as part of that, you get improved mode motion capture and better occlusion of people. So when people walk around things that they should normally be visibly blocked by in, in AR, it should work better. Um, there's new sample code too. Right. And that's why they have the model here standing in front of the objects, right? Yeah. I assume Was that a problem before it's, uh, it's something they've had before. I believe it is improved based on the new sort of cloud, you know, point map that they can get off the new sensor. Yeah. So it's not just doing mm-hmm. visual tricks to figure out where things are. It's like actually getting real data. 
from the sensor telling it, you know, how far away are things? Where is the, the shape of this thing? And did you say instantaneous, like room detection or space detection? Instant AR. Oh, with, with LiDAR. Right. Yeah, yeah. So anything that you're using AR kit now, it usually has a, oh, uh, move your phone around on this flat surface so we can sort of figure out where everything is and start making a, a map. The LiDAR sensor apparently just gives them that, you know, just about instantaneously. So you don't have to do that. It's just ready to roll as soon as you start it up. So I guess you could say it's less hand wavy, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, less Tim, you're on a roll hand wavy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd get a reaction to Jaime. He always says hand waving, right? <laughs> oh, well. I try. No. I've been locked up in a house for like a week. Yeah. Everyone's going a little stir crazy, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you can check uh, out some of the new code samples. If you look at the developer docs at the bottom, uh, search for world tracking, and you can search on uh, visualizing and interacting with a reconstructed scene. It has some new code that says um, iOS 13.4 plus, Xcode 11.4 plus. That was updated as well. Gives you an idea how this stuff works. I haven't tried this out myself, and I don't have the device that would actually make use of this. So it's interesting that Apple is still heavily invested in AR, right? I mean, you know, for, it's been around for a long time, but it's just interesting that it's just now really coming. Is it because of the equipment or? We now I, I do think, these? yes, the hardware has finally gotten to a point where it's pretty viable to do things on right. a cell phone, uh, where, where it wasn't necessarily the case uh, a couple of years ago, a few years ago. And and I do I do wonder if they're leading up to something bigger. Uh, right, is right. it the rumored AR goggles from Apple or something else? I don't know, but but I kind of suspect there's something coming. Yeah, because it's interesting. When I was looking at this, like, it's got to be, oh, more than, yeah, I guess five years ago, like 2014, 2015 timeframe, you know, I was looking at a lot of AR applications, you know, because um, there was, the, you know, the target thing where you, you have a target printed and, and you could have it, you know, like a game could pop out of a, a printed target or even a hand-drawn target, um, as long as you, you match the pattern you were supposed to draw. Um, and as well, I remember there were some AR apps where if you were, like, on the street, you could hold your phone up and look through, like, use it like a viewfinder and as you moved around, you'd see location targets showing up, like, you know, pharmacy over here and post office over there, kind of like a real-world, you know, heads-up display kind of thing. Um, and I kind of wonder if that maybe is also where where they're going, you know. Maybe maybe the Apple car is going to have this whole heads-up display thing going on, right? Um, interesting interesting stuff that, interesting to see that this is like now, you know, coming to be, coming to fore. Because one of the big challenges was, uh, as well, was like, okay, so if you have, like, a 3D object you know, and you, like a character you're animating, do we have the tools to sort of, you know, develop those as well, right? Um, like, because, you know, it's all well and good to have a, a library of 3D objects, but, you know, I think as creative people, you kind of want to make your own your own characters and that kind of stuff, right? So your own game pieces and so on and so forth. I wonder if they're going to come up with an AR game kit, you know? Who knows? I, I don't know that they'll do that because there, there's pretty big competition there already, right? There's uh, right. Unity and, and uh, what's the other one? Unreal. Oh, right, yeah, and yeah. You yeah. Can use those. Those are the standards for doing exactly the kind of thing that you're talking about, right? Developing all the building all the characters and all that and all the right, objects, yeah. and then mm. then you can export that stuff into into an iOS ish app, I believe. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, because I was thinking about Blender. Blender is like the free 3D modeling yeah. tool, right? Yeah. We used to pay hundreds of dollars for apps that were like sort of Photoshop ish that were very expensive to get into 3D modeling, and then Blender comes along and does it for free, right? So it's an open source tool. Yeah, interesting to see. Well, you'll have to see where this goes could be i mean because you know google's been doing the google goggle thing for a while right and well, i think they kind of gave up on that didn't they yeah but then what's the one that uh, oculus is that uh, that's facebook, facebook do- yeah. doing with that one that's still around well still oculus is more is more vr 
Oh, right. Yeah, AR. Yeah. Right. Right. Gotcha. The difference being with VR, you're immersed in, in, in an unreal environment and it's, and it's creating the environment in your visual field. So it looks as if you're somewhere other than where you are as, right, as opposed right. to AR, which is using your, the real environment that you see through your phone or, or through some goggles or whatever. And it's just adding stuff, augmenting stuff to it, adding, you know, placing extra objects in your, in your uh, mm-hmm. environment. Right. And something like the Microsoft HoloLens is an AR yep. sort yep. of thing where you have a little piece of glass in front of your face that shows you what would be overlaid, as Mark said, on top of the real world. And how is that hollow doing? I mean, is, if the people have you seen anything with that in the last couple of years? It is uh, in its second edition, I want to say, developer edition, really focusing on commercial and industrial usage and not, you know, be at home and play Minecraft sort of stuff. So it's more for, you know, hey, you know, we're, um, we're going to do this medical procedure. All right, well, let's take a look and see what that would look like on the actual page. Or uh, we're designing this new um, this new widget or this new vehicle. All right, well, let's see what that would look like if we're actually there. Mm. So can we have a sidebar for a second here? A Spotcast sidebar? Sure. <laughs> um, have you watched the first episode of Westworld yet, Jaime? Uh, not oh, season, season three. three. No, I have season not. Three. Well, you know how you know how the Terminator Arnold Schwarzenegger had that sort of Terminator vision. You know, like when he looked at things, he could see like displays and you know, he'd see numbers and he could you know figure out weights and distributions and you know densities and stuff like that just by looking at things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene in the in the new uh, one where the um, I think it, I don't it's, I don't think it's a huge spoiler to let you know that that one of the one of the I don't know what they call them replicants or whatever has gotten off the farm and she's you know wandering around right so they show us um, one of the hosts from their point of view yeah one of the hosts yeah that's what they call them hosts yeah she's she's walking around in the real world apparently the real world but there's, there's there may it may not be the real world as a matter of fact but anyway she's walking around in the real world and um, at one point she's trying to she's looking she puts a pair of glasses on so she can get the readout of what she's looking at like a, she sees a person there and she get puts these glasses and I'm thinking to myself like wait a minute aren't you already a host why do you need to have augmented reality glasses you know what i'm saying yeah i'm, I'm unclear having not seen the episode where they're going with it the the terminator one and and let's throw in robocop for the sure. very similar thing those were always conceits for the visual medium that is film it's for the audience's benefit like i don't think oh, you yeah, would make yeah, like yeah. a like a gui for a machine it would cl- very clearly be a headless sort of you know way of running things um, right right so i can't speak to what exactly is going on with that character yeah well it's it, again I, again maybe this is like you said maybe it's a conceit that she has to put the glasses on to sort of you know let the audience know that she's turning on this supervision right so i just i just found it odd mind you i guess uh, the other thing too is like some of the i think some of the humans have they put on like it looks like a pair of reading glasses or a pair of like just regular glasses and yet that gives them an augmented augmented experience right the future is going to be really cool when it gets here you know if it gets here (laughs) (laughs) yeah just to get through the the walking dead period right now right yeah all right all right let's move on to the more exciting stuff honey yeah and happier news swift 5.2 is officially released officially okay yeah that includes the uh the things we've talked about before the key path expressions as functions as well as callable values of user-defined nominal types but you're not here for that you know what you're really here for the improved compiler diagnostics and that's not a joke uh, really there are really silly especially in swift ui you should be really happy for the swift ui um, diagnostics changes where instead of telling you hey that text field um error int is not convertible to cg float right uh, question mark for you know the optional uh and you're like what i don't, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> what did i do wrong with my life 
Wait, wait, like, oh. computer, wait, 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 hang on, wait, wait. You have a computer science degree and you're going, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, these these terrible choices I've made. And now it's like, oh, the compiler is now smart enough to say, oh, it turns out you're missing the argument for parameter text when mm-hmm. you're instantiating that text field, which is what you'd want, right? So it, it doesn't add, in my view, like a ton of like, wow, that's brand new pizzazz. It's more like that's quality of life improvement that I can appreciate. Yeah. And, and they also talk about the code completion improvement. So they've made stuff faster. They've made it so it will autocomplete things it couldn't complete before. So this is one of those, I think you'll you'll be very happy when you try it out. Yeah, they're also adding fixes, it says here, so that, you know, if that if it does show up that, spit out that error, it gives you a fix-it chance to, to correct the code as well. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, this is just a continuing story. I think whenever, was it, 20, 2014, when Swift came out, uh, very first came out, like in the betas, the big mm-hmm. complaint was like, well, we've had really, really good compiler support and, and IntelliSense support, uh, auto-completion support for Objective-C, and this is mm-hmm. a huge step back. And we'd said way back then, well, just, just patience, right? Like they, they've got to get the language set first and then they can start doing, you know, beyond the features, start doing the improvements to make things better. And Swift UI, I think in some respects took us back quite a bit, right? Because I think Swift had gotten, Swift, you know, plain vanilla Swift had gotten pretty good about telling right. you what, what was wrong until you got to Swift UI where the extra magic, you know, Apple just had to get the features out first and now they're coming back and they're refining what they've got. So I think the answer, you know, this time next year when people are asking like, well, is it feasible to use Swift UI for uh, projects? I think we'll say yes for a mm-hmm. much wider variety of projects than you would say currently. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it is kind of, it is, I, I did find it was kind of Swift 1.2 in terms of how the errors were displaying in, in current iterations of Swift UI. Like you're getting an error like miles away from where the actual error is, right? So Yeah, because you tend to have, with the function builders, you tend to have pretty long closures with a lot of yeah. stuff going on in a lot of cases. And and yeah. often I'll, I'll see that the error is just put at either the beginning or the end of the closure, even though it really happened somewhere inside there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I find I lose track of the, the curly braces, you know? Mm-hmm. They get, uh, get, you get long, like you said, you get long passages where you're like, what is this going on here? You know, and yet the error isn't isn't like unexpected grace or whatever, right? It's something else. Yeah. Yeah, there is kind of a new pyramid of doom in some sense with the <laughs> with Swift UI. Yeah. The nested views. But it's interesting too from a style convention too. I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of a lot of people I've seen using Swift UI, they'll they, they you know how you have the, the period syntax to for each closure like you mentioned, but you can you can I would tend to leave them long, like have the line the line length run long, but everybody wants to wrap them. You find how do you do it stylistic? Do you do like you'd put like a wrap, like put a return character and then continue to the next period, blah blah blah. That's how I like go. to do it. I like to stack yeah. up my periods. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just easier to see that way. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. Because it gets less less confusing. Hmm. All right, cool. So this key path thing is still a little bit fuzzy for me. I don't know about you guys. It reminds me a whole lot of is it um key value coding? Not KVO, not key mm. value observing. The key value coding, um, certainly in Objective C. I'm not sure what exactly how it works in Swift, but I remember doing things like, oh, um, I want to use some of these mathematical functions and we will run it over the top of this collection of things, right? Like mm-hmm. to get um, like a normalized distribution or something. I can't remember what I was trying to do. Some, something in the, in the, you know, the math library 
piece of uh, of uh, cocoa. And it feels very similar to me where I could say, hey, I will define a function here that will, you know, uh, average up all the values or properties that I have in this entity, this object, this mm-hmm. struct. And so mm-hmm. I can do things that say, hey, I would like to access this key path to a, a property that doesn't even really exist, but it can sort of exist. Uh, I think the example, do they have it here linked here? The example was like calculating, is this person of, of legal age to vote or legal age to drink? Well, the object has a age property and then it has a key path function that says, you know, is legal to, uh, of age to vote, uh, is of age to, to drink. And you can, you can just call that as a key path to just get the value you want rather than specifically calling the function. Yeah, it's just a shortcut for if you have to, if you have a, an, an array of things, of objects that all have some structure in common and you want to access something embedded down in that structure without going through the whole mechanism of uh, here's a reference to that object and then that object has this property and that property is some other object that has another property and you want a property of that and you have to dig down all the way and say uh, it's just a shorthand for for just applying that right at the top level so you don't even have to deal with the fact that you actually have all these different objects you just say give me this value for all of my objects and do something to it yeah the, the example they have on the the next page there the key passes exp- expressions as functions mm-hmm. or if you click on that click the head on that link it kind of demonstrates how to use them use it and map use it and filter but then use the key path to shorten the, the boilerplate stuff right so slash root value right and cool we'll look into that a bit more all right well i guess we're at the pick stage of our show right Indeed. All right. So, okay. Why don't you hit us with your pick there, honey? Yeah, I've got a couple. One is a a remote only conference. Uh, and, and this is new because the lead developer is a series of conferences that occurs uh, throughout the year in various places around the world. Um, I can't remember which ones got consolidated. I want to say it was like the New York or San Francisco and the London one for here in 2020. Um, just given where the pandemic has, as of this recording, it's not feasible to do. So the fine folks at the lead dev have decided to do the lead dev live. So on mm-hmm. April 7th and 8th of 2020, all of their talks will be all online and uh, and all free. This is a paid for conference normally, but but not this time. Mm. So I think that's something that folks can check out. Um, they normally have their videos up pretty pretty quick, actually, um, after the conference is done. So I'm assuming that even if you couldn't watch live, you will almost certainly be able to see on their website or uh, their YouTube channel. What's the gist of the conference? What kind of work do they do or cover? So the lead developer is meant for folks who are in or looking to get into some sort of leadership position, whether that means being a team lead or a manager, uh, like an engineering manager or, you know, VP, CTO, you know, varying degrees of leadership. It's meant for those sides of folks to get together as a technical group and talk about common problems. Like, for example, um, I can't remember the, the name of this speaker from Slack, but she was talking about how do you scale an infrastructure team without ripping your hair out, right? Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you do that successfully as you go from uh, you know, a very small team to a very, very large team in a short period of time? And then they also do technical talks as well, right? Uh, talks on Kubernetes or test-driven development, that sort of thing. Right. Cool. And is it going to take place, I guess, during the days of the 7th and 8th? What day of the month is that? Or day of the 7th and 8th are what, like, like a Tuesday? 
Tuesday and Wednesday, I think. I don't have a calendar okay. in front of me. I have a calendar in front of me. Uh, looks like uh, a Tuesday and Wednesday, like you said. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And I don't know what time of the day. Maybe as we get closer to the, the event, we'll know. Yeah. Those fine folks are in the United Kingdom. Okay. And that is at a minimum five hours, upwards of eight hours, uh, maybe nine hours, depending what part of the U.S. you're in. So, and then, you know, adjust for that around the globe. Yeah, it does say uh, 10, 10 a.m. is when it starts wherever they are, right? Um, doesn't necessarily say what time zone. 10 a.m. till 4, 4.20, so I guess to 5. Oh, interesting. So when you look at the schedule, that so that's new. They didn't have that when I looked. I think they were getting the website up when I made this a pick. So for me, it says 7 a.m. on the 7th. Oh, okay, okay. So that so implies that they're doing the local time zone for you. Right, right. Mine also says 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. So it is adjusted for, uh, for real yeah, time. Yeah, and they actually do have, like, to, to give you a better idea of, you know, current stuff they've been talking about. Uh, engineering management in the time of coronavirus. Very, mm-hmm. very timely. Um, or, Tim, maybe pers- they didn't really want you to come, so they said it was later than it really was. So you <laughs> <show>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, trade-offs on the road to observability. So uh, designing effective OKR. So, it, you know, it, it's about leadership in technology topics. Some of it is mm-hmm. more about the people and organizational side of it, and some of it is more about the technical side. Like, yeah, how about some this one? are pretty short. Uh, they are half-hour talks for long talks, and then the lightning talks are like, like 10 five, minutes. 10 minutes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they seem to have a 20-minute 20 uh, minute start and then a couple of lightning talks, and then they get into the 40-minute talk. Right. A couple panels as well, I guess. Uh, so you can have your sandwich while you listen to a panel, right? Interesting. Cool. We'll have to see what, what, what how this goes, you know? Near and dear to this show is probably apps, stacks, and frameworks. Avoiding shiny object syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry, I was looking at something interesting over here. Um, kidding, of course. Uh, <laughs> this is why we need a uh, like a Creative Commons or public domain licensed you know, rim shot or something. So we can have the drums. <laughs> The simple yeah. play. Actually, I bought some digital drums. I can fill that in later. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So what's, what's your next pick there, Jaime? The next one is for those of you who have kiddos aged 13 and up, and if they are bouncing off the walls as they are unable to go and do their normal schooling and go outside and do things, the fine folks at Gatsby, uh, Gatsby being the static site generator, have created their Gatsby Web Creators series. Um, this is going to happen over five weeks. Uh, unfortunately, as of this, this recording, um, and by the time this comes out on publication, you probably missed like the first week, but don't worry. Um, they're streaming all these sessions live on Twitch, and then they're mm-hmm. recording those for future viewing on YouTube. So you'll be able to catch up. Um, it's five weeks on uh, web development basics. So first week is intro to HTML. Second week is on CSS. Week three on uh, CSS project remix and CSS animation. Four is on applied HTML and CSS. And week five is introduction to JavaScript and the document object model. Cool. Yeah. So you do uh, need to be 13 and over because in order to do these projects using uh, Glitch is the service that they're using. Um, people need to be 13 or older probably for Copa, 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 whatever that, that Glitch or is. Twitch. Oh, Glitch. Oh, I see. Right. <laughs> Twitch and Glitch. Twitch and Glitch. Okay. All right. Not on your Switch. <laughs> 
I'm sure you can run Twitch on your Switch. Who names these companies? You know, there's a there's a brand new Dr. company. Dr. Seuss is like rolling his grave, yeah. As a, as a small sidebar, there's a new company that is really a revival, a spiritual revival of an old company. So I used to like Screen Hero as mm-hmm. the uh, remote uh, pair programming. It's It was great. It was so slick. Both people could use their keyboard. Both people could use their mouse at the same exact time when you're pair programming right. on something. You know, whiteboarding features had all sorts of cool, had audio, all sorts of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sold to Slack. Things didn't go so well, I suppose, in terms of being an inefficient, effective project. Now, a couple of years later, the founders have created a new company called Screen that does basically the same thing as Screen Hero. It is an ungoogleable name. Screen, and, yes. And it, screen, it, screen it, so even worse, right? Yeah, and the and the name um, has made many in the tech community think of GNU Screen. Mm. I don't even know what that does. I've not used that. I think it's a Tmux competitor. Um, There's also a, 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 like a, an app called Screens, which is for sharing your screen remote, like a remote uh, desktop kind of thing. Like, um, remember back to my Mac? Sort of that yeah. kind of solution. Yeah. People getting too cute. That's why I've, I remarked, remarked this At least they're using day. vowels now, Jaime. You remember like for a while there, we had like, you yeah. know, Flickr and, you know. Yeah. Flatter. Rotor and E-rotor. Twitter's <laughs> URL used to not have any vowels in it. Yeah. 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 This is why I remarked today that uh, I'm going to create an app. It's going to be called App and its app. URL is going to be app.app.app. Or app.io or app.app. I just want the most ungoogleable thing possible. Yeah. Yeah, but eventually they become Googleable. That's the, be- the beauty of it, right? Only because Google is really good <laughs> at figuring that stuff out. Yeah, yeah. So another sidebar, have you seen the movie Yesterday? I have, I have. seen that, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. You have not? Because Google have. plays a big yeah. big role in, in uh, Yesterday, too. Yeah. I, I watched it the other day because, of course, you know, I'm trapped here at home and I had to do something. So I watched uh, Yesterday on, on our HBO here. You know. It's a fun movie. I liked everything except the last one-tenth of it. Yeah, the ending kind of, yeah. kind of The music was good. Yeah. What, the, I, last, the, last, the last part where he where he does the Mia culpa part at the end? Or? Yeah, it was just kind of wrapped up kind of too nicely. They, they could have made it a really interesting ending that this is this is pretty spoilerish. So if you haven't seen the movie, stop listening now. Mm-hmm. Come uh, back we'll we'll tell you when you can start listening again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. They could have made it really interesting if the, if the people who are trying to track them down the whole time yeah actually showed up with say john lennon Guns. and paul mccartney in tow saying oh, hey right. we've been writing yeah. all these songs for years we never got any any you know we never got we never got signed we just we've just been writing them for ourselves and how do you get all our songs but they didn't go that way which was i thought was disappointing i thought it was really kind of silly the way they wrapped up the people tracking down just like yeah. oh we just missed the song yeah. yeah those two yeah when they showed up i thought yeah they yeah. should have been fisticuffs or something right. yeah okay exactly that's, that's yeah. what you're talking about yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, but that, and also the they could have had Lennon and McCartney show up. Well, yeah. they kind of, yeah, they, they went with the, the Hollywood ending and yeah. not the the Black Mirror ending that I thought they were going right. to go yeah. with. Yeah, right. Well, right. it's funny right. too because uh, it's Danny. What's his name? That the director, Danny Train Spotting Guy, Slumdog Millionaire, Sunshine. Yeah, that guy. But, yeah, that I guy. recognize all of those movies. I don't have yeah. the wildest clue who that person's uh, yeah. name is. Hang on, I'll tell you. I, well, I've seen it. I, I'm a huge fan of his movies, and and I was surprised. I watched the movie before I realized it was actually his. Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. But the, the, I like the way they integrated the whole Google search into it, right? Like, you know, like whenever you order a Pepsi and that kind of stuff, right? But you know that was a paid product placement, right? Was it? Of course. Oh. <laughs> I figured it had to be. <laughs> of course. I mean, I don't know 100% for sure, but, you know, yeah, of course it was. One? It was, of course it it was that. It was the, the Beatles stuff. And uh, there's another one, too, that was in there. Mm-hmm. Is it a really entertaining movie? I mean, like I said, the music, they couldn't go wrong with the music, right? So Yeah. 
Yeah, but what about the part at the end where like the he's got the big the big stadium show and you know like he would have got fried alive on Twitter in real yeah. life, right? <laughs> <laughs> Twitter. Yeah. Well, all those things would have changed, right? So, so product placement uh, speculation aside, it would kind of make sense that maybe Coca Cola would not have remained dominant had it. Mm. All right, so you say, well, there's stuff that would have um, taken place, but if you remove the Beatles, you'd have to mm-hmm. unwind everybody who was influenced. Right by them, right? yeah. The, like, the like, whole fact that music was pretty much as it is today, except for the Beatles being sing, is just pretty unrealistic. It, I mean, it would have. Oh no, I'm, I'm thinking about the band from Manchester. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> of. Oh them, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that was that was an interesting interesting play because you know that's they channeled the Beatles, right? Um, channeled is being quite generous, but yes, yeah, <laughs> I thought yeah. that was a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they ripped them off. Let's put it that way. Um, I'm just trying to hear to see the comment here. And and the guy who played the 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 one beetle that's in the movie, I don't want to spoil it for people. Um, yeah, he was he's a typical go to guy for um, for uh, Danny Boyle as a director. And I didn't even recognize him at first. Like I just I saw the you know the the guy and I went, oh my god, that's that's him. You know, as he would look today, right? But, ah, I kind of spoiled it there too. <laughs> Good I'm movie. Not sure, I'm not sure he acted in character. No, who, no, no. Well, I mean, he he wouldn't have been. He was like the, the whole idea was he he didn't become a beetle, right? So right, he, so, he wouldn't have. So from what I know about the person, mm-hmm. uh, I think I think had he not been a success, he would have been pretty bitter at that point in life. That's true. That's true. And angry. True. Yeah. But you kind of wonder, like, would somebody like that have become good at what he did anyway? Like, you know, he, he, he was that he was such a force in in yeah. in the band, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I was watching an interview. I'll put a link in the show notes here for uh, John Lennon uh, interviewed, like probably, um, I don't know if it was near the end of his life, but somewhere in, in the, the post beat, like in the mid seventies. Right. Um, and uh, they were asking him about, you know, the questions like, will you ever get together? And, you know, will, you know, will you ever have a show or whatever? And uh, he sort of like, at one point he says, you know, I, I never was worried about Paul because he, he just, he knew Paul would just would survive and he would, he would continue on because he was, he didn't need any sort of help and joy. George would right. do what George did, and he was he was glad to see that he said he was. I it was a bit condescending at first, but he, he he thought it was glad to see that Ringo had found a place in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which yeah. is kind of funny. But but you know the 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 whole idea that he wouldn't have to worry about John or Paul, I should say, right? because so, he just like he just I guess he knew from working with the guy that he was a natural talent, right? Well, yeah, I mean Paul was the the true musical genius of the group. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, because yeah, he had the whole his whole dad's background and all that yeah. kind of stuff too, right? Yeah, yeah, but anyway. I mean. Not not the other ones weren't musical geniuses as well, but but not to the level of musicianship that McCartney. Had. I mean, from a musicianship level, McCartney was just yeah. way beyond the rest of them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Songwriting, it, you know, you could argue. Well, they he, were all, he, pro- he proves it to this day, right? Sort yeah, of thing. yeah. All right. So uh, I guess my pick is yesterday, <laughs> the movie. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, my other my other pick is is I saw on Twitter the other day uh, a gentleman is working on a new book on Combine, and uh, he's doing some really cool. Things. Thing. Um, uh, the name of the book is Understanding Combine, and it's being written by Matt Newberg, and uh, it's a work in progress right now. So um, basically, uh, it's he, as he works on it, he's publishing it to the the internet to the Google um, for free, so you can you can read through it now. You can try out the code samples, um, and all he's asking for is a little bit of uh, throw him a, a, a bone at and uh, is at a PayPal account that he's got set up here. But uh, yeah, for the time being, the as he works on the book, it's available 
free for you to have a look at and uh, take a look at it. So it's uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for that. You know, it covers all the sort of usual stuff about uh, Combine, about publishing, and any kind of, like it's a React type, you know, uh, language or you know, what do we call it, framework. Um, yeah, so check it out. And, you know, of course, I'm sure he'll be open to fit feedback if you want to, you know, feed him back some, uh, some info. Well, that's it. That's uh, Understanding Combine by Matt Newberg. My pick. No comments? All right. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, yeah, he's also got other books too here. He's, he's published a book, um, Programming for iOS 13 and iOS 13 Fundamentals with Swift, which you can also buy. Um, anyway, so, yeah. Hey, Jaime, if uh, people want to get in touch with you this week, uh, how do they do that? I'm on Twitter. is at DevWithTheHair. All right. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you. Mark R at SmapSoft.com. All right. And as usual, I am Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until I'm, I guess now, now we're supposed to say be safe, stay home, wash your hands. <laughs> but otherwise, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. So use the hashtag AskMTJC. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Carol was telling me the other day that, that the new the new expression is no longer, you know, have a good day or have a good one, whatever. It's now just be safe. Yeah, a lot of All people the, are saying that. Yeah. The sign outs and goodbyes and stuff, right? Yeah. It's funny, like I was, I was walking a dog. I should have taken a picture, but, you know, I saw a bunch of people sitting in a circle at the park, you know, when you're by where, where the dog goes. And... um they were sitting six feet apart, you know, in a big giant, like, you know, like, like not your typical campfire circle kind of sitting. Right. So, and people are like, you know, when they meet each other on the street, they're like standing, you know, you know, across the street from each other and saying hello and whatever. Right. I mean, as well, they should. Yeah. As well, they should. As yeah, well, yeah. they should, as, as opposed to here where we're you know locking down the state parks and stuff, because people who don't know this, the Seattle area is very rainy and dreary most of the year. So right. yeah, yeah. Those rare moments yeah. that you have of sunshine, people love to take it advantage and having you know nice warm sunshine time coincide with a you need to stay home order right. has not mixed very well no no people people were being silly and like oh let's let's go for a hike everybody else thought that same thing and they're all collected there in these clumps I was like well no that's that's why we that's why we locked it down stay home why don't you re- listen to the previous 290 episodes of this very podcast yeah and there's 60 uh, spotcast ones when you're ready to after you finish watching all of uh, discovery and uh, and the card uh, Hard. You can, yeah, you can. By the time you know this show comes out, you'll uh, the finale will have already even taken place. So we'll catch up. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, so, so we had we had uh, EB Games, which is like I don't know, like GameStop or something like that in the states. You have like a, you know the places where you buy video games. Mm-hmm. Maybe EB Games. I don't know if they're in the states or not. But yeah, it used to be here as an electronics boutique. Yeah, it's same. Yeah, same same company. 
they um, they had some sort of uh, a game rollout the other day that was like uh, you know something being released at whatever, and people were standing in line for it, and the, the cops were just flipping out, like, and the media was all over it, you know, because they were like obviously they weren't keeping social distance, and um, they've now they've now done a thing where they their businesses as of yesterday, which is Tuesday night, they were supposed to have closed. You know, most businesses have to close um, as decreed by our our uh, mayor, um, and I think as as the province or the premier of the province. Um, people were lined up at the liquor store, and again, they were just like lined up one right after the other, like you know, get your priorities right. So, of course, liquor stores are considered essential services, and so are the uh, cannabis stores. So, if you want to get your cannabis, come on up to Toronto and help yourself. Um, but yeah, and I, I see you interesting point. Point Harmis just posted something here in the in the from the Financial Post that, uh, and this was on the news today. Actually, uh, I forgot about it. Actually, that um, Toronto is gathering cell phone data uh, from the telecoms because uh, they're trying to make sure that uh, anybody we've had a, a, a TTC subway driver was uh, came got infected um, a couple of I think one one of the bus drivers got infected so they were they were prod- broadcasting which bus the guy was driving um, in the case of the subway drivers they're actually in a in a like a glassed in space so you actually don't interact with them so now they're trying to figure out where these people were where they went and who who came in co- could have come in contact with them but yeah it's an interesting thing story here about the fact that they're using cell data to track you know like we're always complaining about privacy and tracking and things but now here's a, a, a cause for good I would think using uh, cell cell phone data to figure out where people have been what do you think about that mm, yeah. it's a, big, big can of worms it's a tricky one because you know there is the essential liberties part that is difficult to tease apart from the the needs of society if you were traveling through the city for whatever reason and you came down with this thing and now you're lying in a hospital um, you know it's kind of like the old um, you know when when AIDS and all that kind of stuff first came out, they would ask for a list of people you'd been with, right? Um, maybe you don't know, but but you know we all know that the phones track where you are in the city and where you've been, right? So they could get the data from from the tracking in the phone to see where you are, right? Where you've been? Because I mean, your iPhone does it now, right? It's just that that information is sort of kept between you and Apple, or not even Apple, right? Just on your device. You know, it's also a good alibi in case you're convicted of you know manslaughter or murder or something, right? You can say, well, my phone says I was here. <laughs> Meanwhile, you had it attached to the side of your dog as he ran around the neighborhood, right? Right. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's tricky because it is, it, you know, it is at the very least an effective tool for this sort of thing. So yeah. I'll take uh, Taiwan as an example. So there are many, to be clear, many, many other factors that have taken part in Taiwan's success in avoiding a huge outbreak, despite the fact that they are right next door to mainland China, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, a big part of it has been their location tracking, right? So mm-hmm. um, oh, really? I know somebody who has uh, returned to Taiwan after being sort of on travel throughout the world. Mm-hmm. They were put in an immediate 14-day quarantine, and uh, they are using your your cell phone to figure out where you're at. And if you're not at home, um, you you know they catch you outside. They're going to fine you like th- up to thirty thousand um, dollars equivalent. Well, fine you? Oh, not find you. Fine you. Okay. Find you. Well, they will also find you because they they call you up uh, like two or three times a day. Uh, some sort of community social worker just to see that you're home and that you're doing okay. You don't need anything. Um, this is somebody who's come down with the thing there or just, this is just somebody who's even suspected of, of, of it. And at this point suspected is like rather broad. In this case, this person is 
a, an expat. So, so Taiwanese, uh, citizen has, has returned home and that they are immediately put under quarantine, tracking the phone, tracking the location. If you don't answer the, um, the phone, or I think they also come to the door and, and check on things when they deliver new masks and, and sometimes food and stuff to you, um, the police <laughs> will come find you. Really? Right? Wow. So it's like, if you don't want to stay home, the police will make you stay home there. So, um, that's very different culturally than like the United States in particular, and a lot of individual freedom and rights. So I'm not sure how effective what they're doing would work here culturally. Um, and it's kind of interesting that uh, Canada has decided to, to cross the line towards that side. Well, Toronto, not Canada per se, right? And there's like, like I said, there, there are more people in the greater Toronto area than most of the provinces of the country, right? So like in terms of population density, right? And everything that I sort of perceive is that um, Canada tends to be more sort of top-down federalist-driven than the United States, which balances a whole lot more yeah, towards the yeah. states, the individual states. That's true. That's true. I think, yeah, we can, the pres- the prime minister can can decree things and the provinces can, can't really fight against it like they, I guess in the United States, it's more, you're, you're a federated collection of states, right? Who have, a federation, you know, one might say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting too, like, I, like when I look at it, like New York is, you know, I think New York's now the hotbed of, of the United States, right? Oh, by a long shot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, New York City. Yeah, yeah, by 10x. Well, they're saying that like what thirty thousand. This is as of two hours ago as we record on Wednesday. Thirty thousand. Yeah, thirty thousand in in uh, New York and seventeen or eight, almost eighteen thousand just in New York City alone, right? So with two hundred eighty-five deaths, and I mean, you know, we're right next door to them practically. Like we're right next to New York State, right? Um, like we border New York State along the north edge, right? Well, there's a big pond in between. It's not that big. Not that big. He's saying it's not that great. You still you still have to go around it, right? It's an okay lake, homie. Yeah. <laughs> Send all your angry letters to Tim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean the whole St. Lawrence Seaway and and the the, the lakes are between yeah. us. But you know New York, New York. Uh, I mean, there's like a bridge, like a I don't know, like half a mile long bridge between New York City, New York, Niagara Falls, New York, and Ni- Niagara Falls, Ontario. Right. So right, right. Yeah, but you know, Buffalo is not New York City. Not to knock Buffalo, but you know, no. But um, yeah. I wonder if there's a fire in the warehouse in Buffalo right now. But um, it's a joke. It for the seems. People. It looks like uh, from the latest map I saw that Detroit was a bigger hotspot than anywhere in upstate New York. Well, Detroit is also connected to, to Canada, yeah, right? right, exactly. It's right across, yeah. right across from uh, Windsor, right? Right, no. that's why I mentioned it. That's Is that song by Journey, the one about the the guy from South Detroit? You know, just a small town boy. Anyway, that, you know, the living... You know, who's crying now, but I don't remember the lyrics. Is it? Who's crying now? Isn't it? No, I don't know. It's, it's uh, you know, it's the, just a small town boy oh, living no, in don't South stop Detroit. Believing. Don't stop believing. That's don't stop believing, yes. Yeah. Living in South Detroit. Well, South Detroit is Windsor. Hmm. <laughs> there is no South Detroit. It just sounds good on paper, right? Anyway, but yeah, so... Wait, is Windsor actually south geographically of Detroit? I think so. I don't know. I, th- I heard I heard the other day there is no south Detroit. Let me look. Let's look it up. Let's look on the map. That would make sense. There, You cross the international boundary if you go due south from Detroit, like the oh. city center of Detroit. Oh. They're not... Uh, there's there's not... Like, not a lot, there's a river, but not a large... Um, you know, they're practically touching each other, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, Windsor is south of Detroit. Yeah, it does kind of... <laughs> it does kind of wrap underneath. It kind of sneaks around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about yeah, and it's sort of a. Is that the lake. only place where Canada is south of the U.S., not counting Alaska? Well, I mean, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of like Jaime is north of me right now. No, no, no I mean, like, like like as the crow flies, as the crow. Yeah, um, well, I guess there's a little bit by Buffalo. By Buffalo, a little bit of Canada sticks over underneath Niagara Falls, south of Niagara Falls. Yeah, see, yeah. Depending how you want to feel about it, I mean, if you go into Washington State, you can see that Victoria hmm. reaches down below the whatever parallel it is that defines
defines Washington State. Forty North yeah. parallel, yeah. But yeah, that's a that's a gray area because there's not necessarily any land there, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. The San Juan Islands um, reaching over into Victoria makes it a little weird. It's definitely not like yeah, yeah. It's more of a it's more of a, a nudge than a yeah. Um, yeah. Is there still Vancouver in um, Washington? I mean, yeah, yeah, there is. It's uh, on the southern part of the state, just across from Portland, Oregon. Oh, yeah. I guess mm-hmm. a valid way of asking the question is how many places are there where you can drive south from the United States and be in Canada, except <laughs> except for Alaska. Drive directly south. There's not too mm-hmm. many. Mm-hmm. Interesting. We have not much to do while we're here, sequestered at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we pull out the maps all the time. It's interesting. I'm looking at a dark mode map right now, which I haven't done in a while, because I'm now in the uh, world of Catalina. That's our geography lesson for the day. Yep. Oh, this is one. Oh, this is just, an, I'm just looking at uh, eyewitness news in, uh, in uh, Buffalo. Do you guys have eyewitness news all over the country? Do you know? Or is that just a brand up in That's New York? kind of a local thing. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, different TV stations have it. I'm starting to wonder if they're all owned by Sinclair Broadcasting now. <laughs> no, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Sinclair. like, oh, everybody's like, you know, Channel 7, Eyewitness News. Yeah. I'm like, wait a yeah. minute. Wait a minute. With media consolidation, it could, hypothetically. How come they're not suing each other for the trademarks? Right, right. Huh. Let's Google that. It's a style of news broadcasting mm-hmm. used by local television stations in different markets around the world. Oh, really? According mm. to Wikipedia. Huh. Tim, did you know that Edmonton is really far north? <laughs> he says, yes, I did. Being silly. Like, Seattle is way out in the middle of nowhere as far as the United States goes. Mm-hmm. Very far north. And Vancouver, BC, very much so. Yeah. It is, let's see, one, two, possibly three times the distance between Seattle and Vancouver is Edmonton to whatever the closest border is for the United States. What is that? Some park? Yeah. Glacier National Park? So, well, um, remember, distances, north-south distances are exaggerated up there. Oh, the Mercator projection? Yeah, that's probably, yeah. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> that's true. No, it's true. You look at a map, it's it's 100% true. Anyway, so uh, Carol and I went to Edmonton once in the middle of winter. It was freezing cold. Um, but uh, And we, we, we actually went up to Prince George for, if you look over on the British Columbia side, we went to Prince George for a conference. And then we flew from um, Prince George to Grand Prairie to Edmonton. It was like on a small DC-10 plane. And, uh, you know, we got on the plane and we took our coats off and we sat down. And we're sitting near the front of the plane. And we sh- it should have been a clue for us when the stewardess didn't take her winter coat off because mm-hmm. they fly from, from Prince George to Dawson Creek to Grand Prairie. Um, and it's pretty, pretty much a milk run, right? Like people come on with their groceries. And uh, so the plane lands and, the, and a couple of these airports are just like a Quonset hut. And, you know, you land on the ground and, and people get on the plane f- from the ground. And uh, the they open the front door of the, the plane and the winter just like blows in, you know, and that's why the stewardess had her coat on the whole time. And Carol and I are sitting there with our shirts and, you know, sweaters on and just freezing to death, right? You know, wondering why we should we put our coats away, right? But it's, it, was, it was a really interesting run. It was like, uh, like I literally, people were like, they weren't quite bringing goats and chickens on, but they might as well have been, you know? Apologies. The Canadian equivalent from, of that, right? I guess, yeah. They <laughs> yeah. had their cans of maple syrup under their arm. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I find where Dawson Creek is. With that, with the uh, the little straw thing still in it, right? Yeah, do- yeah. so we flew yeah. from Prince George to Dawson Creek to Grand Prairie to Edmonton, yeah. And then we had to go around the city. We were doing a tour of, uh, it was a, vol- um, a dinosaur exhibit that we were doing flags and banners for, and uh, we had to go around, take a tour of, the, of Edmonton itself, and, and it was, oh man, it was so cold. Unbelievably cold. Yeah, those are the days. I'm poking around the map, and after you're realizing there are a lot of forts in the Northern Territories, presumably to prevent the Americans from coming in, I guess, through the Yukon. You're looking at the roads? No, I'm just looking at, like, what are these 
these these little dots on the map. And I made my way westward to Alaska, and I did not know that there is a Wales and a York, Alaska. Mm, really? What's the capital? Is it? Uh, oh, it's Anchorage, right? Juneau. Anchorage or Juneau, probably. It's Juneau. Oh, Juneau. Yeah. So where does, uh, I thought, uh, wasn't it the joke that uh, Sarah Palin could see Russia from her house? Yeah, that's... Uh, um, it, yeah, Nome? No. Um, it's a little town. I think it's near Anchorage. Mm. Um, what's it called? Wasilla. Oh, she was like the mayor or something like that? She was the governor of Alaska. Oh, governor. Okay. Yeah. Was it Wasilla? Yeah. Governor. Well, look, if you look at Nome, Alaska, it's pretty close to, to Russia, right? Yeah. You see, yeah. if you can see Nome, you can probably see Wales and Tin City. I'm, I'm not getting as much detail. Are you on the Apple Maps? No, I'm looking at Google Maps. Oh, Google Maps. Is nature intended, man? Mm-hmm. You got to do. Is nature intended? Like Google? <laughs> 